Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hour three underway. Chad Adams, your guest host. I say that, I think I got it right. <laughs> it is two o'clock Eastern time. Beautiful day out there. I think some rain will be moving in. It's going to get progressively worse. It's funny, you say the word progressive, it, it does tend to be worse. I'm sorry, that's awful. I shouldn't have said that. Glad to have you with us. You want to get on the conversation at 704-570-1110, 570-1110. You're welcome to be a part of the conversation. And uh, do appreciate you all being here. By the way, a morning in Paris, always a good idea. WBT invites you to join the Isabella Santos Foundation for a morning of Parisian fashion, flowers, food, and family to benefit pediatric cancer on March 7th at the Carmel Country Club. Proceeds from the breakfast event will impact a global pediatric cancer program at Levin's Children's, bringing new treatments and hope to kids fighting rare cancers. Purchase your tickets today at IsabellaSantosFoundation.org, IsabellaSantosFoundation.org. Love for you to be a part of that. Now, going through the day, I, I guess it sounds, I, I, I can hear myself being critical of me, saying, Chad, you're just being so negative on the federal government, all these programs, they've helped so many people. Well, they weren't designed. The, the promise of the great society was that it would cure these societal ills. It was this great Keynesian experiment that government could somehow sweep in and solve problems. And it hasn't achieved that. It hasn't remotely achieved that, by the way. It hasn't even come close. And all it's done is eaten a, a hole in your wallet that your children, your children's wallet and your children's children's wallet. When we're $31 trillion in debt, we're spending money we don't have. We're spending money we don't have. We're spending their money. Allegedly, and, and now we've gone from thinking we're going to solve the problem to having just a sense of entitlement that somehow you, you deserve this. That these people, through no fault of their own, mind you, or through systemic racism or sexism, or any kind of other ism you want to throw at it, that due to these things that are built into the horrific nature of this horrible American life, that the government must provide. And what I want to tell you about that is that it doesn't work. More than a casual look into this, and Democrats know it. This is the thing that, that's most enraging. The Democrats, Elizabeth Warren knows it doesn't work. Amy Klobuchar knows it doesn't work. Dan Blue in the legislature knows it doesn't work. Robert Reeves knows it doesn't work. All of the Democrats there, Roy Cooper and Josh, they know it doesn't work, but they count on the votes because power is nice. They need the votes. So you tell the constituents, if you vote for Republicans, they're going to take these things away from you. How did we ever get into our mind that it was part of what we're promised? How did we get into our mind that all of these things are promised? Medicare, Medicaid, all those welfare programs, 25% of the – I'm looking at looking at the chart. You can look at any of this stuff as well. You can go, there's 100 different places to do it. But when you look at this, where, where, where did the federal tax dollars go? Social Security, that's 21%, $1.2 trillion, $1 last year. Those benefits. Now, allegedly, you pay into that and you get it back out. The problem was it's a pyramid Ponzi scheme that was put put aside years ago that five and six workers at a time, seven, eight, ten workers were working for every one drawing Social Security benefits. Now it's down to two to one. Of course, Democrats want three million immigrants because you get those three million, ten million, twenty million people into the system and they're paying into Social Security. 
then you all you've done is kick the can down the road. You haven't solved the problem. Are Democrats interested in solving the problem? And that's what Republicans should put forth. Democrats know these systems are broken. Are they interested in saving them or using them just as political fodder? Just to accuse Republicans. Oh, Republicans, they just want to cut your Social Security. And and I'll be their worst nightmare, Biden tells us. The president tells us, I'll be, if, if that's what they want to do. In fact, I can read you what the president wrote. Let's see if I can find that, because I have to, since I said it, I should find it. Because it wasn't but moments ago that I, that I was reading it, and so I should find it. Lot Here it is. Look, a lot of Republicans dream of cutting Social Security and Medicare. If that's your dream, then I'm your nightmare. Joe Biden. That's really, that's the best he's got. Not, you know, I'm the president that's going to fix this. I'm the president that wants to take a serious look at how we can make sure it lives up to its promise in some way. So let me take it a step further to set up the rest of the conversation. As I wrote this down. Democrats don't want to discuss how to balance the federal budget when 64% of it is entitlements and debt. And the president kind of proves that with what he just wrote. So Democrats have spent the past 50 years gaslighting anyone who disagrees with them on scientific inquiry, dietary, economic, climate, medical, sex, create a narrative centered on government power and quash dissent via media. So they create these narratives CNN, MSNBC, ABC, NBC News, New York Times, CBS News, all of those go right headlong into it. Government is good. That somehow the people inside government are more angelic than the people outside of government. You have to wonder where that comes from, right? Why would you believe the people inside government any better than the rest of us? They're not. So imagine, if you will, let's just let's just take a step back and imagine if we had spent, if we had saved trillions of dollars building better entitlements instead of just growing them. In other words, if we had gone every step of the way, every single step of the way, if we had been able to make these better than just kicking the can down the road. Now they're so large, they're Leviathan. They are so large, they are so cumbersome, they are so broken, and nobody wants to fix them. But imagine if we had. We wouldn't have a $31 trillion deficit. Or debt, rather. We wouldn't have that broken system. Far fewer people would be on it. Because America was built on self-reliance. America was not built on dependency. Imagine if we had pushed... Let's just go into diet. Imagine if we had pushed dietary guidelines on the dangers of carbs and prevented millions of obesity and diabetic-related disease and death. I mean, my grandfather had diabetes. The, the, the recommendations in the 70s and 80s were, hey, you can eat all these, eat puffed rice, eat low-fat, eat margarine. None of that was doing him any good. It hastened his death. Imagine if we had saved trillions of wasteful, divisive, racial, sexual preference policies and instead focused on raising educational standards. Instead of continuing the soft, you know, the soft bigotry of low expectations, instead of getting rid of tests, if we'd have been raising standards the whole time, raising the standards instead of lowering them, where we would be. You know what? We would have a lot fewer people on dependency programs now. If you would raise standards instead of lower them. Imagine blowing up our tax code. Imagine if we had done that over the past few years. Really blown up the tax code. Gotten rid of all the carve-outs. Made it simple made our tax code less than 100 pages, 
So anybody could understand it. So all the people that are working to do your taxes now were in other business endeavors, doing more creative things rather than just interpreting government stuff. All those millions of people working in the tax industry would be working in other things because our tax code would be simple enough. We would unleash. Think about all the, the productivity in every business endeavor across the nation that wouldn't be doing taxes, that would be doing the productive things that make our country better. Imagine if we had stopped subsidizing alternative energy. The innovations would have leapfrogged where we are today. Even gas-powered vehicles would have 50 MPG efficiencies. We've been able to get 50 miles per gallon out of a gas-powered vehicle since the 90s, 70s, 80s, and 90s. But because all of the money went to all these other things, electric vehicles and alternative energy, we've, we've really stymied our ability. So if you really want, if you really believed in combating all this CO2 stuff, you would have endeavored in making gas-powered in engines and horsepower more efficient. But you didn't. Imagine if we had embraced dissent and discourse rather than attacking anyone who challenges monolithic dogma. Just imagine if we had, especially during COVID, if when someone had a contrary opinion, we said, you know what, Let's, that needs to be looked at. Does masking really work? Do these, do these shots actually prevent you from getting the disease? Do they prevent you from spreading it? Imagine if we, had, instead of attacking those people, when Fauci said he is science, he wasn't science, he isn't science. Science stands up to scrutiny, embraces it even. The beauty of America is not in crushing dissent, innovation, and or contrary ideas. It's in embracing them. True science stands up to scrutiny. Challenging it makes us all stronger, better. We've racked up trillions in debt, wasted decades creating and enshrining fraudulent dogma that divides us. It didn't make us stronger. It didn't make us united. Ultimately, government hasn't solved any of the aforementioned issues. It never will. Why would we embrace a new era of big government now? The nation desperately needs curious journalists, and it needs politicians that are willing to stand up and say big government doesn't work. That's what's going to save the nation. Appreciate you being a part of the show today. Chad Adams sitting in for Pete Callender. Be here tomorrow as well. Pete will return on Monday. We wish him well. He doesn't take many days off, so when he does, hey, hope he gets enjoying beautiful weather for him today. As the clouds start moving in, and the weather will probably go downhill, I guess, from here. But uh, a couple things we were discussing is about, you know, are we a better nation? And again, you can get in on the conversation here at WBT News Talk 1110-993-570-1110, the phone number 570-1110. If you're outside of the 704 area code, just remember, it's area code 704-570-1110. That's the phone number. And, you know, we'll put you right up ahead of the host. You call in. We're not going to keep you on wait. We're going to put you right at the front of the line. Now, if you think in terms of the, the, all those percentages I gave earlier in the show, when you look at Social Security being 21%, economic hardship is uh, provided federal benefits, 8, 11% of the federal budget, the interest on all of this debt we've accumulated, 7%. So 7 out of every $10 the federal government spending is just interest on the debt. 25% Medicare, Medicaid. Uh, welfare, not that's not economic hardship. That's separate. It's also economic hardship, but it's different. So 64% of the budget are the, just those things. Are we a great nation because of that or in spite of that? I would make the argument that what built the country and made it great, warts and all, by the way, no one's claiming the country was perfect. We're not perfect beings. The country that we created, that the, excuse me, not we, but that people created and that we build and create henceforth, it's not perfect. 
It makes mistakes. It will make more mistakes. We're not done. Heck, there were eugenics programs in, in North Carolina into the 70s. Democrats want to you to forget about that, but they were sterilizing people. Margaret Sanger, you know, this great society crap, Democrats were sterilizing people in this state. There are still people living that are victims of eugenics, the state forcing sterilization on people that they didn't deem worthy of living in society. Democrats want you to forget that. It's true. Absolutely. Go look it up. But are we better when 64% of our government is, is giving people something to get by? 64% of the budget is giving somebody something. And again, people say, well, Social Security, I earned that. But yeah, it's a Ponzi scheme. There's not enough money to sustain it. It's, it's inexorably broken. And we're not reproducing. We're not building more population. Other countries are. We're not. Industrialized nations in general are not reproducing. There's a lot of uh, progressive thought out there that you don't need to bring people into the world because humans are destroying the planet, so we need to stop reproducing. In fact, and I say this with every confidence, there are many, many on the left that would love for something to wipe out about three to six billion people on the planet. And I said billion with a B. If there was some, some kind of virus that would eradicate three, four, five billion people, they think the planet would be better. The planet doesn't care. The planet's not a being. It's a planet. We just happen to be ants on the surface. It's astounding that, that people think that we're great because of these things. We're not. We haven't saw. If you go through, look at L.A., New York. Chicago's airport has homeless people in it now. It's the rot in our society. This great society has led us down this path of misery for millions. They're not stronger. They're not better off. They're not better off with all these entitlements. People say, oh, you just want to throw people out in the street. No. If you need help, then consolidate where you can get that help. You, you shouldn't be providing help with people who have no sense of responsibility. That's not going to make society better or stronger. It doesn't. It doesn't make us stronger. It makes us people who go and work and produce and create taxes and those who utilize that. And it becomes a way of life. We've got three going into four generations of people. Three, four generations of dependency that isn't strength. And it breeds resentment. It breeds hate. It's making us, it's dividing us in a way that's unnecessary. And, and politicians in office that want to make fun of that and want to ridicule, if you, if you are the person that solves the Social Security, Medicaid, welfare riddle, if you find the way to fix that, and I think the only way to do it is in a private market of some type, or kicking things back to the states, pushing this closer to the people, away from the federal government, get the federal government out of the entitlement business, allowing people the opportunity in Social Security when they're young to opt out of it, to privatize it. I'll guarantee you, dollar for dollar, if you had invested that just in T-bills, you'd have been better off over the course of your life. The same amount of money. Because remember, your employer's matching that. That's 7.5%. It's insane. It's insane the way we look at this stuff. It is absolutely appalling. And I didn't even get to the... I want to get to... There's a uh, There's a piece out today. It's in box. It's actually a, kind of a left-leaning piece. But but it, it's it's missing the point that it's making. It doesn't even realize what it's writing about that's going to impact that, 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 that what it says. It's about millions of people are getting ready to be kicked off Medicaid. And they're acting like that's a horrible thing. 
Now think about that. If your mentality is that if we can just put more people on Medicaid, whether you're the governor of North Carolina, whether you're the governor of another state, or you're in the federal government, thinking about 20, 40, 50, 60 million more people on Medicaid is what you're proud of. You're not, unless your obsession with with government is power-centric. The more people you can make dependent on the government is not a good thing. It's enslaving them, not helping them. But I'll get to this. This piece, it's a policy piece, and and it'll, it'll give you an idea about the way the left thinks because it's consistent. The way they think is very consistent. A couple of days after Valentine's Day, hope all of you survived it. I'm sure you did. <laughs> Having said that, we always appreciate the phone calls. Kevin, you've been on hold, man. What's going on? What's on your mind? You made a great point about Social Security, except for one thing. Most of the Social Security that's being uh, dispensed out there was people that never never actually put into the funds. These are people who would, became disabled or children of people who became disabled. And the vast amount of money that's being put out there was never people who actually generated the funds. It became a welfare system. The whole system was designed to be a savings, a forced savings, and now it became a welfare system. Why isn't anybody looking into this and why, how that became and where the people are actually getting the funds uh, that we're putting into the system? Well, I mean, you make a very good point. I would say that not only that, there's a lot of fake, there's a lot of people, I would say there's an inverse thing that's happening as well. There's a lot of fraudulent social security numbers out there of workers that are illegal workers that are, and that money's being dumped into the social security system, untethered to either that individual or tethered to someone else that isn't that person. So there's fraud on both sides of it that that's going through. And you're right, the, the way uh, private companies you know, there's only so much private companies can do knowing whether that person is there illegal or not. But to your point, there is. I mean, the Office of Investigations through the inspector generals, they're overwhelmed. I mean, that's where if you're going to spend money, go through that. Exactly what you said. It, waste fraud. There's billions of waste, fraud and abuse in Medicaid, Medicare, those issues. But you're right. Social Security, a huge entitlement that has got a lot of waste, fraud and abuse in it. And, and we could actually do a lot. That's part of the reform. You're absolutely right. It's something that needs to be looked at and gone through. But it's a mess. Statistically, years ago, there used to be a certain amount of people who did naturally become disabled, a bad back, something like that. But it seems like now that number has exploded. Obviously, there's fraud, waste, and abuse. If we could see it, why can't they see it? Well, I think they do. I think it's just that it's a number of people. Imagine if someone, if, if the federal government had said, we're going to put uh, 80,000 people looking at waste, fraud, and abuse, you know, looking at people abusing, not because you're kind of touching on disability claims, which are, you know, companies end up, there's a lot of folks, and this is kind of a, 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 a horrible secret. It's not really that secretive is a lot of self-insured, any company that has more than 250, 350 employees becomes a self-insured company. And a lot of those, they have these, everyone who's got insurance, insurance is not healthcare, but we want to believe it is. And so those deductibles, three, four, five thousand dollar deductibles for a lot of people, that's expensive. And so when they have a hurt knee or something, it's easier to file a disability claim than it is or workers' comp claim, I'm sorry, workers' comp or disability claim, than it is to come up with that three dollars to $5,000. That's making people live in pain with a deteriorating condition rather than get it fixed. Because the healthcare system in this country, it's not really healthcare. It's just so expensive and so arduous, and it's not its not there helping people in a very effective, efficient way. So, They've also uh, yeah, I mean, dependent on each system. So in other words, if you go into Social Security, automatically you're eligible for Medicaid, Medicare. Yep. What if I didn't yep, need right. insurance? Uh, it doesn't matter. You're eligible for it anyway, and you're absolutely right. You look, but when you look at those numbers, it's astounding. 
I mean, when you look at it, when when Social Security and health insurance, basically those two things alone, that's 46% of the federal budget right there. Just that. Just those two and things. Going back to our illegal friends, I don't think it's that they, they, were, they want them to pay for it. I think they actually are becoming more of a burden to show that more and more people will become dependent on government, and that's the way to collapse the entire system. Well, okay, well, let me ask you a question. Since you pose that, how does that benefit? To me, what they've got to do is they've got to get people in the system to become, that needs to become a constituency. Those 3, 5, 7, 12 million illegals need to become part of the system to become a constituency for the political left because that's where the power, they want more power in governance and government officials. Not that they're innovative and create new products and create a capitalistic enterprise that employs millions of people. That's where their power base comes from. So why would so they? they why would they so want to they collapse these the people system? People dependent and getting checks, they're going to pull it, pull a lever for a check. Yes, but I mean, why would you want them? You said that you made a point that you wanted to think they wanted to collapse the system. It sounds to me like they want to uh, keep make them dependent on the system, and so that yes, they can yes, tax uh, the rich and go after the rich more. Correct. Okay, we're on the same page. Well, Kevin, I appreciate the call, man. Have a good one. You too. And, and Kevin, to Kevin's point, you know, if uh, if we could do these, uh, they should investigate this. They should go after more of this, but they don't. And, and, and instead, they're, they're more interested in the IRS than they are fixing the broken systems that are the other side. They want to go after, they think they're going to get more money when why don't they save some of the money they're wasting? Chris, welcome to the show. How are you? You've been sitting on hold. I'm just fine. Um, like I told your screener, the reason that Social Security is going to be broke is right. See, right now they're collecting enough money to do payouts, but they have fifty trillion dollars worth of IOUs in there, and I got that from Javier Becerra on Washington Journal when he was a representative. He said that the government had fifty trillion dollars in bonds that they had put into Social Security. So when they have to start repaying the bonds, that's when they call it broke. Well, I don't. I, I can't verify that right now. I mean, I'll look it up and look. I've I've heard various numbers bandied about about on that, so I'm not going to say you're wrong. You may you may be absolutely right, but I can't verify that. But there are. It is it is a Ponzi scheme in many ways because you're right. The people that are paying in now that money that you and I and others are paying into it that isn't. It, 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 on an accounting basis, it looks like it's our money. When we retire, we'll get X amount of dollars if we live long enough. We'll never live long enough to get it all back because the way they pay oh, it I out. Know. But in those actuarial yeah. tables, that money that we're paying in is going to support uh, more people. In other words, instead of six, seven, eight, nine, ten people paying in for one person, now it's one or two people paying in, and it's a broken system. It's absolutely a broken, broken system. Well, yeah, it was broken from the word go, but yeah, you know, it was never until, designed to be retired. Until um, Johnson's Great Society, when they opened up Social Security Trust Fund to general funds, which they keep claiming they never did, but they did, and started putting bonds in, that that right. system was flush with cash. Because the amount of people, people were not living that long. They weren't even living to see 65 a majority of the time back then. So that right. cash was never collected, and it just sat there. And the government doesn't allow cash to sit. They have to steal it. I mean, that's flat out all it is. But, it, yeah, Javier Becerra said that. So, you know, he said the quiet part out loud. That's what happened. 
Well, it's got a ton of IOUs. It's uh, you know, it 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 had a it's got about a ten trillion dollar funding shortfall that's coming up. I mean, it's it's got more people that'll be taking out than putting in, and that's all they're trying to do. And you've noticed in our lifetime, just in the past ten years, they've made minor adjustments just to kick the can down the road, getting people to take it early with less money. There's a number of things, little accounting gimmicks and tricks, but it's not solving the problem. Uh, to your point, it's just not. And, 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 and all the people that are up there now in leadership positions that are 80 years old, they're going to be long gone by the time 2030, 2034 rolls around. And uh, oh, yeah. it's well, coming. That's, that's been the problem with all the generations. They've been, yes. see, they've been sitting there letting our government be unconstitutional since the turn of the 20th century with uh, Teddy Roosevelt pulling his garbage and um, – abrogate and congress abrogating their powers and not bringing him in like they were supposed to but i won't even start getting into that part (laughs) yeah we we, we would have a 15-hour show we'd have an entire podcast there so i mean especially i know exactly do a historical i mean sure there are so many ways for us to like um the amount of foreign aid that goes through the pentagon is ridiculous too and, it, and you know what? On the foreign aid, the foreign aid bill, the weirdest thing about the foreign aid, I'm sorry to jump in, it says you hit on a, a landmine for me, which is the way foreign aid is funded, it's all funded as one bill. In other words, you can't pull out, like it's got 35, 50 countries in it, you can't pull out one country. You have to fund them all. They're, they're all one bill. So if you have some countries in there that you don't think we should be funding, you, they, they leave them all in there together. It's crazy. Yeah, but for yeah, but see, foreign aid. We should not even be doing foreign aid. It's That's not the not, role of the federal government the to do of, other people's the rest aid. the world become? We become their welfare daddy. I mean, really? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's you know, that, no. I agree with that. But part of that, a big chunk of that foreign aid, goes through our Pentagon. So it's all black. It's all black. Black uh, financing where you don't see it for national well, security. You know, Um, (laughs) you're not going to get an argument from me about the federal government's waste, fraud, abuse and the way it funds things and the the lack of constitutional fidelity with respect to collecting confiscatory taxes from people. So there's a lot. Their only job is to defend the Constitution. That's it. Yeah, you would think. But we've gone along. We're, We're way away from that as a starting point and, and a grounding point. But, man, I appreciate the call, and I appreciate you listening. One of the things I had written, we had discussed earlier about, you know, where government's not solving all these things and how we've really wasted 50 years of opportunity to make them things better because the, the polit- politicians that be, they don't want to make them better. There's no desire. It's, it's easier to accuse Republicans of wanting to cut something than it is to put forth an idea to salvage it, to make it better or to get rid of it uh, because – you know, you want people to be ginned up with emotion. Both sides play on emotion. But the left does it in a way that, that really is counterproductive to this long-term survival of the nation. One of the, one of the biggest waste of time, effort, and energy has been the, the misuse of the word science with respect to gender. I mean, you're, you're not going to solve any problems by confusing society even more with this. We've, we've, we're not addressing the science of gender. It's led us down into dangerous, divisive, and expensive through-the-looking-glass policies and values that have no logical path forward. If you take any of this, it doesn't have a logical path forward. What's the ultimate goal? To disfigure children? That's what you want? That's what you think is 
brave. That's what's where it's going. Confusing people uh, when people try to go back. You, it, it's it's horrific going through. It's bad enough coming back out of. It's horrible. Instead of looking at why we are so into this, since when did drag shows become a big thing? Where's where's the natural progression of that? Drag shows in schools or drag shows for kids. What's the natural progression of that? What's the logical conclusion of where that takes you? Does it take you to a nice place? Sexualizing kids? There's no way that takes you to a nice place. It doesn't. But you can see when, when, when people get caught up in this absurdity, where it comes. I mean, this is from the Daily Mail, and this is uh, a story that right, the, the, replace female with egg producing and avoid the term fitness, woke scientists say, in a push to get rid of harmful phrases. Woke scientist. That's kind of an oxymoron, isn't it? You can't be a woke scientist. You have to abandon science to be woke. You have to not be scientific to be woke. It's, it's an absurdity. But they've called for the terms male and female to be replaced as part of a crackdown on harmful terminology. It's not harmful. There's nothing harmful about addressing that. That's like saying there are certain conditions that people get. White people are more likely to get melanoma. Black people are probably more likely to get sickle cell anemia. Males are more likely to get certain diseases. Females, other diseases. We're built differently. There's nothing wrong with that. Most people, most people that look, I mean, most people that are looking at themselves, they don't like who they are necessarily. They look at the mirror and say, I could always be better. That doesn't mean they want to go cut things off. It's, it's kind of taking it a step further, isn't it? it instead, sperm producing and ed, egg producing or XYXX individuals should be used to avoid reinforcing societally imposed ideas of a sex binary, researchers suggest. Even the terms mother, father, and fitness are in the firing line. Some members of the Ecology and Evolutionary Biology Language Project, founded by scientists in the U.S. and Canada, wrote that much of Western science is rooted in colonialism, white supremacy, and patriarchy, which continue to permeate our scientific culture. To address this history, harmful scientific terms should be identified and revised to foster inclusion. No! Science doesn't foster inclusion. Science looks for truth. Science looks for answers. Science isn't about gender inclusion. Science wants to understand how we can prevent birth defects. Science would like to understand the, the pathogens that infect our bodies and kill us. Science should seek to understand how we can improve our lot in life. Science should not in, be involved in wokeism whatsoever. It's not science. That's political endeavor, political intrigue, maybe. Progressive, it's harmful. Think about how hard it is to teach kids to read and write and do arithmetic. You want to introduce all of this gender ideology and, and, and purposely do this to them? It, it, it's, it's abusive. It's the kind of stuff. And yet you find people in the General Assembly, there are a lot of people like, I don't know, Representative Pittman and others that I've talked to that, that can't believe, they, you can't believe some of the stuff that's coming across their desk. You know, Florida didn't ban books. I mean, they go about DeSantis, oh, he's banning books. no. He's saying there's some stuff that's not age-appropriate for kids. That's not banning a book. You have to ask yourself, why do why does the left want kids to be reading such stuff? Why is it we have to have a conversation about CRT? That's obscene. That's absurd. That's ridiculous, isn't it? Social, uh, emotional learning. Come on, no. You don't, that's not the role of your education system. We, but it is if you are a progressive nanny state big brother believer. Cradle to Grave, Government, Aldous Huxley, Brave New World, you know, Atlas Shrugged, all that stuff. If you're a believer in that, then yeah, you want all this stuff. 
It just divides us. It does nothing but seek to divide us further. Chad Adams, your guest host in for Pete Callender. Man, it has been an honor, a pleasure, a blast. WPT staff, thank you very much. I'll be back here tomorrow. Folks, you have a fantastic day.